You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Welcome back to episode three of our ETF mini-series. Kate Campbell. Good to be back, on. Monique, mini pizza. Hello. Welcome. Okay, so today we're going to talk about how to research and compare ETFs. And as we'll just talk about, there are a lot of different ways to do it. So we're going to talk about all the different, I guess, types of ETFs that you can think of, but also just some very basic ways to go about researching. And this is a good activity to do yourself using the the Google Doc. Yeah, because uh, there's over 200 ETFs listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. So, Monique, that sounds like a lot yeah, to choose from. where do you start? <laughs> yes. Well, we've got uh, uh, this workbook that Kate's put together which will help us kind of just have a checklist of items and uh, go through and kind of just reflect on some of the things that we mentioned in episodes one and two of this mini-series. So if you haven't already, please rewind, go back two episodes and start at the beginning of our ETF mini-series because this will make a lot more sense. Yeah, and you're going to need the checklist and the Google Doc that we've got in the show notes. If you haven't looked at that already, you're going to need that for today's episode because it's kind of a worksheet and a pause as you go kind of episode so you can work through everything we're talking about and we're going to be covering ETF providers we're going to be talking about dividends we're going to be talking about actually finding out what the ETF actually invests in and some of their holdings so you know what you're actually getting in your box and even just how does the ETF compare to others because you might have gone, oh, I want to invest in Australian shares, but there's lots of different options as we'll get into today's episode and it can be a bit overwhelming on how do you actually narrow that down into something that you want to invest in. So we'll talk about comparing fees, indexes, track record and performance and just knowing a bit more about the ETFs we want to invest in. Perfect. Yeah. So as we're about to find out, yeah, there's a lot of ETFs in Australia, Monique. Yeah. And so... We're going to try and just stick with the Australian shares at the moment. So we're going to narrow it down to just 
ETFs that invest in shares of Australian companies. Beautiful. Keep it simple, please. Yeah, Keep so something that you could put in the core of your portfolio. Okay. Yeah. Just like uh, we mentioned your IOZ ETF. Yep. That's actually one that's on the list. Oh, beautiful. So of the five that we've kind of identified here, that's one of them. We've got, and I'm just naming them by ticker symbol, which is like a barcode for an investment. Uh, we've got A200, STW, VAS, IOZ, and MVW. Two of these are not like the others. Uh, two of these being, uh, which we can discover throughout this session, uh, one of them invests in more and one of them invests in less than 200. So that's probably the key uh, difference between some of these. Kate, where do you want to start? Yeah, I think we, we're just going to narrow today's episode onto Australian ETFs and Australian shares. And even then, there's a lot of other options. Like you can just invest in an ETF that invests in the top 20 Australian companies. So we're going to be looking at ETFs that are around the top 200, but give or take with a couple of them, as Owen mentioned. So I think the most important thing to have open now, if you are um, reading along, if you're on the computer right now or on your phone, uh, that Google Doc we mentioned in the show notes, because this is going to form a part of the research activity, because the research activity actually involves you doing some research, which is really important on your investing journey. Yeah. So we'll try and um, you know speak it out. If you're just listening passively, you can do this and then come back to it later. But the, the Google Doc will make sense. It's got a table. Across the top, we have all of the, the five ETFs that we want to look at. Down the left-hand side, we've got things like the ETF provider, uh, the date that the fund was started or the ETF was started, the fees, the index, the track record, how much money is in it, otherwise known as assets under management or FUM, AUM, whatever, the yield. So this is what we talk about, like how much you get returned to you the top 10 holdings, and then where to find the PDS. So all of this is available on the ETF provider's website. So you can go in there and you can look at each one and you can see how is it performed. You can see what it's invested in, so on and so forth. So Monique, I'm going to slide this across so you can see what we're talking about. And we can see here on BetaShare's website, we've got A200. Yep. Um, and it's just like a standard page. Nice. So Kate, where would where should we begin? Yeah, I think I really just want to talk you through each of these comparison points so you know why we're looking at it, why it matters to us at all, and why we're using it as a point of comparison. Mm -hmm. And so that when you work through this document and you've got all of the, the five ETFs we're talking about today side by side, you can actually make some sense of this information because knowing the uh, management fee is all good and well, but if you don't know what that actually means or why it's worth comparing, then it doesn't really help that yep, you know that information. <laughs> so we're, we're collecting information, but we also want to learn how to interpret it and make a decision out of it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. How about, could we go through maybe, I don't know, A200 and IOZ yep. as, a, as an example? So because IOZ is the one that Monique owns and maybe we can go through the list. Yeah. Yep. So the first thing on our list is knowing the ETF provider. So now we've narrowed it down to five ETFs because we really want to invest in something in Australia. We want to get access to those top 200 or so companies and we want to put that in our core. We want to narrow down in terms of these ETFs. So knowing the provider is important because you want to know who who's running the ETF and right. who's looking after it. Um, if you have any issues, if you want to find more information, um, you know the website to go to. Nice. So. For the A200 ETF, it's it's run by BetaShares. Now, if you didn't know that, how would you find that information? So we've we've put a link in there to the website. 
But you can always just Google the the ticker code or the barcode, as Owen said, and just write in A200 ETF or A200 ASX, and you'll be able to find more information on either the ASX website. So our stock exchange has yep. a pretty detailed website with a lot of data, so you can search any investment up there, or you can look directly on the BetaShares website for the information on A200. Okay. So a dead giveaway, Monique, is let's say if we search for A200 and I'll put in A200 space ETF. Straight in Google. Straight in Google. So we can see here it's come up with an ad from BetaShares, but the first thing that's come up is the BetaShares website and it's got Australia 200 ETF. If we scroll down, we see one for market index, which says BetaShares Australia 200 ETF. Yeah. Best ETFs, Beta Shares Australia 200, and then the list goes on the ASX website. All right. A dead giveaway when you look at the name of an ETF is the first name that comes up is typically the ETF issuer. Okay. So in this case, it's the Beta Shares Australia 200. Yeah. Now let's do the same thing, but we'll do it with IOZ ETF in yep. Google. What's the, f- the the first part of the name? iShares. iShares. So yep. that's the ETF provider, iShares. Nice. So iShares, in this case, it's actually part of a company called BlackRock, but for the its ETF division is called iShares. Okay. So that's one of the big ones. Right. Alongside BetaShares, alongside Vanguard. Okay. Yeah. So, so confusing, why is like, iShares part of BlackRock? Why are there two different names there? It's just because they didn't start out just doing ETFs. They started out doing other stuff. Okay. So um, I, I, I would guess, I don't know the answer to this, Kate. I don't know if you do, but iShares, I'd guess this is around the time, maybe like, maybe it was a naming convention when everything was like iPod, <laughs> iPhone, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's because I, like as an individual investor, I invest in shares. I don't mm. know, do you know? No, no, but some of them have different names or in Australia, they'll have a different name to what it is in the US, but it's a subsidiary okay. company. So like some of the big names in Australia that you're going to see pop up, especially during this research activity, are Vanguard, BetaShares, Spider, State Street, mm-hmm. um, iShares with BlackRock, yep. Vanek, and ETF Security slash Global X. Yep. Okay. So you'll see these names appear. So Kate, you mentioned inception date, which is the second thing on our list. Uh, why? Like, and where do I find this? Okay, so you want to know this by whether you're on the ASX website or the, the beta shares or the provider's website, you can control F and it will probably say inception date somewhere or start date or something like this because it's good for you to know how long that ETF's been around for. Yep. Um, especially because this is going to be a core of your ETF. It's going to be a long-term position. You want to know they've got a track record. They've been running the show for a while. Okay. So basically, it's better to have them going for like a longer amount of time. Yeah, I, we were talking about three plus years before. Yeah. Um, sometimes there's newer products that might be more suitable on the market, but it just gives them time to make sure it's iron out any kinks. It's all good to go. It's been around for a while. It's going to be around for a while. Would there be any like case where you would want to buy a new one? So when we talk about those thematic ETFs that are going on the satellite part of your portfolio, sometimes there might be something really new and hot on the market um, that's investing in cybersecurity or robotics or hydrogen energy, and it's a brand new product, nothing else in Australia exists, and you really want that, then maybe you're buying something that's only been on the market for a few days. And so that might be a case where you invest in something with no track record, no performance history, um, you just go straight in. But the good thing is if they have... Uh, an inception date that's further in the past, you've got more of a track record that you can see how this ETF has performed over time. Okay. Yeah. So here you can see on the 
uh, BD Shares website, did what Kate said. Yep. Control F, search for Incept. And I can see that the date here is 2018. So that's the year for the A200. And then with the iShares one, it doesn't actually say the date on the page. You actually have to click on the chart and yep. then it shows you like what's the maximum okay. date. It's already set to 2010. Okay. So Kate, Beta Shares A200 has been around since 2018. And the IOZ ETF from iShares has been around since 2010. Yeah. So I think for both, decent amount of time. You've got a track record. You can go and have a look at all that information. Okay. Cool. When, when you say track record, what do you mean? Just So I'm jumping ahead a bit, but I'm talking about performance and how the ETF has performed over time. And if it's done what it's... So they set out the rule, we want to invest in this. Has it done what it's supposed to do over... How the, do you know like what's good and bad in the performance? Uh, so when you have a look at the performance chart of the ETF, you can have a look at how it has... I don't know if Owen's got that up on the yep, screen there, but right you can have a look at how the ETF has performed over time. And something we'll also get to is the index of the ETF. So that's what its job is to do. And you can see mm. how the index has performed and if the ETF has done a similar job. So you can see at the top here, Monique, on the A200 page, it says A200 aims to track the performance of an index mm -hmm. before fees and expenses, comprising okay. 200 of the largest companies. And then if you go to the iShares website and we go to the top, it will say the same thing. It just uses the fund aims to provide investors with the performance of the S&P ASX 200 index before fees and expenses. So this is the top 200. Okay. So you can see here that iShares is the top 200, but, sh but so is beta shares. Yeah. So they're, right. they're doing the same thing, yeah. basically. They might track a different index. So if we scroll down... Uh, and we can see the index from beta shares is this one. Okay. So that's a selective ASX to uh, Australia 200. And so we can put that under index in here. And then uh, we can do the same thing. And I'll just make sure it doesn't carry any formatting. We can do the same thing for iShares and we can look at the index. And we can see that here is the ASX 200. Okay. Just like that. Right. Mm. So, so, so far, so good, Kate. We've got... Uh, iShares and we've got the index from beta shares. Um, now, maybe while we're here, we look at track record really quickly. Yeah. Is that something that you, yeah? Okay. Yeah. So you can have a look at, it'll often be called the performance chart or the performance table, something like that on the ETF provider's website. And um, it'll probably be a graph um, that sort of starts low and ends up high. There'll be a few jumps up and down along the way. And so you can have a look at that. And then probably the thing I usually have a look at is the the percentages. Yep. So okay. the chart looks nice, but you kind of want to find out what those numbers actually mean because charts can be a bit misleading. So on I'm just looking at the A200 ETF here, you can see what the three-year, the one-year, the six-month performance figures are and also what the index figures are. And you can see that it has um, it is slightly lower than the index and that's generally because of the fees. Yeah, cool. So you can so Kate, just here we can see on the beta shares website because it only started in 2018. It's got a three-year track record, but it does not have a five-year track record yep. for the fund. Okay. Um, so there's nothing there. Yeah, so that's why I've just kept it blank. Whereas yep. the iShares one does have that. If you have the option of three, five, or ten years, what it is it is there one that's better? Like which one should you be looking at? Or because you're also going to be investing for a long period of time, you want to look at the longest track record okay. that you possibly can. So I would opt for the the all time or the 10 years if you can, because you're not wanting to make a decision 
in what happened in the last month or six months because yeah. a lot changes in a one or three or six month time frame. But you want to know what does this ETF do if you give it long enough to do its thing? Right. Is it okay, Kate, because I've only got three years for beta shares, could I just compare the beta shares three years with the iShares three years? So I would probably, I'm having a look at the index here if you want to know what the five-year for the, the yeah, beta sure. shares product is. I think it's also different because they all started on different dates and so you can't, it won't line up exactly. So if you look at their three years versus that three years and it's often as of different dates, so it can be a little bit harder. Mm. So um, sometimes we like to look at the since inception numbers to see what's the average performance per year since inception. If someone had invested at the very start and held since that time. Okay. So here we can see on BetaShares website, it says 31 August. Yep. And then we can see on the iShares website, it's got till 31 August. Okay. So you just need to be careful because sometimes they can go out of date by, when I say out of date, it can be like a month back. Yeah. can be a bit longer sometimes. So it's not that current. Yeah. So what I would do is I would look at the, um, I would look at the same period. So to try and even out some of those things that Kate's referring to is try and look at the same period. So in this case, we've got, uh, five-year and 10-year with um, iShares. So I would try and compare that as best I could to what I've got available from here. So we can see 8.35% for the five-year from beta shares. And with iShares, we've got um, about 8%. Okay. So a little bit less, but you'd expect them to be very close okay. because they do ex pretty much exactly mm, the same They're pretty thing. similar. Yeah. So the, the big difference is probably fees. Yeah. So... A lot of the times when one does slightly better than the other, it's because one charges slightly less fees. And over a year, that doesn't seem like such a big deal. Like what's the difference between 0.1% and 0.2%? It doesn't seem like a lot, right? Yeah. But if you do that every year for five years, then all of a sudden, that's a big difference. Yeah, that adds up. Yeah. So that's where the things kind of, that's okay. where fees are important, right? Yeah. So I'll paste this into the document and anyone that's listening can go into the document and have a look because we've pre-filled these two for you so you can you can have a look and you can see uh, what we've got in the in the thing so what next Kate we've got um, we've got like a assets under management or AUM or oh, so we've got management fees we've glazed over that bit so management fees is what you're paying the ETF provider so the person who's looking after the ETF like BlackRock iShares like beta shares this is the fee they take out to look after that ETF and right. manage it and put companies in pull companies out deal with all the tax stuff like they do yeah. all of that and they take a fee and so when you go to the each of the providers website when you go through this comparison table you want to search for your control effing something about costs or fees because even I'm looking at their website they use an acronym MGMT for management so okay. um, looking for words like costs fees something and you might see p.a per annum, which yep. is fancy way of saying per year. Yep. So that is the, you want to find this percentage. So for the A200 ETF, it's 0.07%. Okay. So that is the fees they're taking out per year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not, it's not taken out all at the end of the right. year. It's usually done on a daily basis. They're taking out tiny amounts on a regular basis so that you're up to date. Whenever you sell that ETF, you're Fees are all paid up to date and nice. they do not send you an invoice. It's all done automatically. Yeah, so that all happens in the background. You don't have to worry yeah. about it. Yeah, so the cool. biggest thing we're looking for is low management fees. And with these kind of ETFs, um, we talked about 0.5% before, but 
a lot of the Australian shares ETFs are a lot lower than that now because there's a competition. Yeah. So okay. you can see here the management fee for iShares. Yep. 0.09%. Um, so you, sometimes they're, they're expressed differently, as Kate said. So some might say management fees, some might say cost. Um, it's important, like, they're not always using the same language. Yeah. They roughly are, but sometimes there might be minor differences either side. Okay. So, like, this one might be a little bit higher once you include some costs that go along with it. Right. But again, like, very low cost, as Kate said, for this type of thing that we're looking at. Okay, Kate. So, we've got low fees on both of these. Like, A200 is 0.07. IOZ is 0.09, according to their websites. Um now let's look at this assets under management thing. How do we find that and why does it matter? Yeah, so the assets under management AUM is how big the ETF is and really how many other people have invested okay. money. Not by number, but by the dollar value invested in this. And so you want to search for things on the website um, like net assets or funds under management. Again, they're using different terminology here and switching it up a bit, but you can find this generally on the ETF provider's website and generally on the ASX website as well. Um, it might be under the words market cap also okay. because that's a, a term we use when it comes to investing in companies a lot. Um, so you want to find out how big it is and that sort of gives you an indication that, oh, geez, there's a lot of people that are using this ETF it's probably quite efficient for the company to run. It's probably going to be around for quite a while longer because yep. it's worthwhile for them to run. Okay. So here, Monique, you can see this number. Yeah. Looks massive, doesn't That's it? a really big number. <laughs> yeah. What are we, two trillion there? You got two billion. With, uh, yeah, with, yeah, you've got two, two billion with um, A200, you've got 2.47 billion. And with iShares, you've got 3.4 billion. Wow. So do you have any questions about what those numbers mean? Is the bigger the number, the better it is? Yes. I mean, to an extent, that tells you this number, net assets, market cap, FUM, AUM, whatever they want to call it, this number tells you how much other people have invested into it. Okay. So let's say you put $100 into this one mm -hmm. and then you kept it in there and it grew to $120. Yeah. You would be, you would have $120 of whatever's in there. Okay, so, so your investment's in there. Yeah. Into that number. My number would be in there, Kate's number, and all of us would be in there. And the idea is that it's not necessarily like bigger is always better. It's just more to say, okay, it's pretty validated. Like other investors are, are using this. And what that means is that the company that runs it, beta shares or iShares, they're not going to close it down if everyone's using it. Right. So, because they're making money from it. Yeah. So, you know how we said before that the fees are very low? Yeah. The reason that the fees can be very low is because there's so much damn money in it. Okay. Because if, if you think about it, if it's a big pile of money, yeah. you only need to take a tiny little bit every year to make it worthwhile. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. I'll just put them in the dock now. So this is probably a little bit less important when we're looking at these five ETFs in the document, but there are some thematic ETFs like we mentioned or very um, niche ETFs run yeah. by providers that might be a little bit smaller that only have 10 or $20 million invested in them. Right. And the worry is that that's quite, you can't make much money out of running an ETF that small. Yeah. That's a very small investment fund. So, so would those management fees be higher because there's less money there? Often the management fees are higher, but often they don't stay around for that long because okay. they just can't find product market fit. They can't find enough people that mm. want to invest in their products. So they go, after five years, 
oh, we gave that a go. We're going to just like quietly shut that one down and try something different. And so you don't really want to go through that hassle as a long-term investor. You want to find something that you can put in the core of your portfolio and leave there for over 10 years. Right. Mm. Yep. That's a good way of thinking about like product market fit. These ETFs are financial products. So if they put it out in the market and not enough people invest in it, then they're going to take it back and they're like, okay, we're going to close it down. Okay. And that's just a bit annoying for you because then like you have to sell it. Is that right? Exactly. And when you sell an ETF, you incur tax. Yeah. Okay. Like you will then be, there's a tax bill that yep. goes along with it. Yeah. That. And that's just annoying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> not every product's here. <laughs> no. Same with it. financial products. So Kate, then this is the one thing on this list, which will confuse people, which is distribution yield. You'll see this thing written on websites and it's not really like always the same. Yeah. So what does it mean? Yes. So in Australia, it's very common for a lot of the big companies like Telstra and BHP and CBA Bank to actually pay out some of the hundreds of millions, billions of dollars they earn each year in dividends. So they're paying part of it instead of reinvesting all of it into growing the business, they pay some of it to shareholders and shareholders love them for it, especially retirees in Australia love getting dividends. And so what happens, a lot of these companies pay out quite a lot of money every year, maybe on an annual or twice a year basis. And so what happens, instead of getting it directly from the individual companies, which you would if you owned individual shares of CBA or individual shares of BHP, all of this money, because you're investing in Australian companies, gets sent into the, the basket, the ETF provider collects it all, and then they send it out based off how many units you own in the ETF, they distribute it to the shareholders. And so Australian shares like these ones and these ETFs that we're talking about, they tend to be a favourite for people that do like dividends because Australian companies tend to pay more dividends than international companies. Why is that? That's a good question. It's because <laughs> our tax rules are a bit more lenient here. Um, in Australia, you can actually pay dividends and it can come with something called franking credits. We don't need to necessarily get into that now, but it's like a tax credit. Okay. So you compare that to the United States where you don't get a tax credit. Okay. So that's why Australian companies are like, hey, the tax environment's pretty good. Let's give more of our profit back to our shareholders. All right. And then you can do whatever you want with it. You can keep investing or you can invest in something else. Cool. So on the webpage, when you get to the ETF provider's webpage, you want to do probably command F and search for yield. And then here you can see on the iShares website, it says 5.7%. On the BetaShares website, it's got a bunch of different numbers. It says 6.3% for 12 month. It's got then gross distribution yield, which includes the franking credits that I just mentioned, 8.2%. And you want to focus on the one without the franking credits. You just want to compare apples to apples. Yep. So it's 6.3% for A200. And what did I say? iShares 5.7%. Okay. Now, over time, there shouldn't really be much of a difference because they both invest in the same thing as we're about to find out. Okay. But you can see here that one of them is from the 9th of September and the other one's from the 31st of August. Okay, so a little bit different. A little bit different. And that could explain why there's slight differences in yield. Yeah. So you probably don't want to say, this one's fractionally higher, therefore I'm going to invest in this one. Yeah, you just want different to, times. You just want to know roughly yeah. what's what's going on. You can actually see on the BetaShares website here, you can see a distribution frequency. It says quarterly. Yep. Do you want to have a guess at what that means? Like, that's when you get it, every quarter? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get it every quarter. And you can see, it. Um, well, it doesn't actually say it right here, but it says here, distribution frequency on iShares quarterly. Cool. Mm. So every quarter, you can expect something to be paid back to you. Yeah, nice. Yeah, they pay out everything that they've collected during that quarter. 
Yeah. So sometimes some quarters are a lot less because the companies haven't paid many dividends that quarter and sometimes it's a lot more. Yeah. And companies can cut their dividends or reduce it. This happened during COVID. So um, this can fluctuate, but it's a good number to look at if this is something that matters to you. And it matters to many um, investors yep. how much income they can get from an yep. ETF. So you shouldn't really expect the same amount every quarter. No, exactly right, Monique. So if you go onto the pages, you can actually see what their historical yields were. Uh, let's see where we've got this. Uh, but it's easier to find on beta shares. You can see it here. Okay. So these are like the recent distributions, but it shows you there was one in July. Yep. There's one in April, January, October. Like these mm. are when they were paying them. Right. And you can see that over that time, they calculated the annual amount for you at that time. So okay. on that day that they paid it, what was the annual yield equivalent? Okay. 5.6%, 3.9%, 3.7%, 3.5%. So you can see it's always something. It's got it's very high at the moment compared to where it was a few years ago. Mm -hmm. But you can see that it's good. Yeah, cool. You can expect something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. But it's not, like you said, it's going to fluctuate. Yeah, cool. Cool, Kate. So two more things we've got here. One is maybe we can deal with the first, the last one first, which is just like there's this thing called a fact sheet or a PDS. Where do we find that? Yeah, so first protocol generally would be the ETF provider's website. So going to iShares or Vanguard or... Um, whoever. Yeah, whoever. Um, and having a look at their information because that really shows you the details about the ETF. So most of them will have a fact sheet or a flyer or something like that that you can have a look at, which pretty much sums up all the key details that they want you to know about in one spot. So yep. it's semi-marketing documents, semi-informative, but it does give you a little bit of information in one spot if you want a condensed version of what you're reading on that page. Yep. Are there any main facts that you should look out for? A yep. lot of the, the ones I've just covered is usually what's on the fact sheet um, and also holdings, which we'll mention in a second. And there's another thing that you can look at for in the PDS. So it's PDS is a legal document. So don't be afraid if it's the, like I'll click on this one here from A200. Don't be surprised if it's a little bit gross and there's a <laughs> fair bit of fine print and stuff. When you look at it, they typically have like this section, see key features. Yep. And you can see it will tell you what it's trying to do, how it goes about doing it. Um, it's a little bit blah, but then there's a risk section. Okay. So there's a risk section that are pretty common across everything. And then there'll be a section on tax. Yeah. And the tax section will just tell you basically like what you've got to do. Uh, it's not like specific to you, but it's just kind of general, like you'll pay tax on this and you'll pay tax on that. Okay. Um, we won't go too far into the details, but another big thing is the fee information. Every PDS in Australia has to tell you, it has to give you an example of the fees. Okay. So on page, what's this, page nine of the beta shares one, you can see the example of the fees that they've given you. Okay. So it will show you if you invested 50 grand, how much would it cost you? Right. Yeah. And that's that's the good thing. Um, but other than that, like the PDS is the legal document. That's the one you always hear about in the news or yeah. on the TV. They're like, be sure to read the PDS available, blah, blah, blah. And they speak really quick. Yep. Yeah, that's the legal one. But the fun flyer, as Kate mentioned, is like the highlights reel. And that's what we've done here. So, Kate, top 10 holdings. Yes. Okay. So, also another thing you want to have a look at when you're comparing ETFs is what is actually in it. And we talked about how good ETFs are, that they're transparent and you know from the outset what's inside. And so, you want to have a look at each of the websites and look for the word holdings. Now, it's going to be very similar when you look at most of these ETFs, because they're all investing in large Australian companies. 
And there's a few large Australian companies that really stand out. So BHP is often, um, especially this year, nearly 10% of many of the um, top 200 like ETFs in Australia that invest in Australian companies. So you'll see names like BHP and Commonwealth Bank and CSL pop up in many of these ETFs, but it's a good way to just understand what you're actually investing in and how much is in some of the bigger companies. Yeah, sure. So can you see that here? You've got a table on both websites and they're both at the 9th of September. So they're both comparing the same information, which is good. But you saw a minute ago, there was a bit of different information for one thing. And then this one's up to date and that one's not up to date. So yeah, there will be minor differences because of the timing. Okay. But here we can see that BHP, Commonwealth Bank, in at number three, CSL. Yep. National Australia Bank, and so on and so forth. Now, if we go to the same one for beta shares, you can see in exactly the same order are the, the, the companies. Yeah. And you'd expect that because they do exactly the same yeah. thing. So what's the difference exactly? Well, that's it. So the difference is all of the things that we just looked at. Now, in this instance, as Kate said before, these ones do pretty much the same thing. But when you try and do it on something else, like if you went to, say, this one here, which is MVW. Now, I'm just going to bring this up on my screen here. If you're watching along, you'll be able to see this. Um, When we look at this, they all ask you to do this, like, check to make sure you're a legitimate investor and whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you see here, there's a totally different list of names. Okay. So inside the MVW ETF, there's Pilbara or Pilbara Minerals, car sales. Wystech, Altium, none of the names like BHP and that appear yep. at the top. Completely different. It's completely different. Yeah. So you could say that this ETF invests in different things to that one. Yeah. Even though they're both Australian shares ETFs. Okay. So then you might want to compare it and be like, well, actually, you know, I want to keep it like everyone else and have yeah. that one. Or maybe I do want something different. I can add this one. Right. Yeah. Um, but for the our purposes, the A200 is almost identical to IOZ in terms of what it actually owns. Okay. Yeah. And so this is a really great list. So, I mean, if we just look at this, Kate, we can see here um, they seem very similar. Yeah. And some of them are almost identical. But the funny thing is we all own a different one from this list. Yeah. 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 Which is... Yeah. And so... Which goes to show there's no one right answer. Okay. So it's just a matter of choosing one, really. Yeah, so sometimes like this is like the old Heinz and SPC baked beans debate. At the end of the day, they kind of do the same thing. They're around about the same price. Just because you have one and I have a different one, maybe it doesn't matter too much. Yeah. Now, the, the thing to keep in mind here is like the VAS ETF from Vanguard is the biggest one in Australia. That's a little bit different because it's got 300 companies. As we just found out with the, the MVW one, the one from Van Eck, that's totally different to the others because it doesn't have as many companies and they're all in a different order. Okay. Um, so those two are different. But yep. the other three, they're kind of the same. All right. So then you would probably just say, well, they've all been around for a while. Let's just go with the lowest fee one. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, it only starts to become a really big and interesting comparison when you start to do different things. Okay. So a good example would be thematic ETFs. Like if you compared... The Hack ETF, which only invests in cybersecurity companies, mm-hmm. and you compare that against ACDC, which is an ETF that invests in renewable energy. Yep. Um, if you compare those two, one does cybersecurity, one does you know, renewable energy, they're going to have completely different portfolios. Right. This would be like 
comparing all of the Turkish delights <laughs> to all of the Moros. Um, they're very different. Yeah. So you're going to see very different numbers. Completely di- different themes. But if you think about it, if you were looking at those two things and you were like, hmm, I want growth, ACDC's grown this fast and Hack's grown this fast, maybe that one's better or this one's better. Right. So then you can start to see true differences. Right. With these ones here, they're very similar. Yeah. So, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So when we say you've bought IOZ and we didn't recommend it, <laughs> it doesn't really matter too much. Yeah. Because it's been around forever. Yeah. It's pretty low cost. It's got good performance. It's pretty big in terms of the amount of money it's invested. It pays a stable you know, yield, like distribution. I'll think of it like a dividend. Yep. Kind of invest in the same other stuff. I don't know, Kate, would you add anything else? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, when you're looking at the core ETF, there are a lot of similarities. And as you go further out from the core, they become more and more different. But really, the most important thing is you pick something, Yeah. (laughs) especially for your core portfolio. Just to get started, you pick, you've gone through, you're comfortable, you understand the details. You pick one of these. um, If you are interested in Australian shares ETFs to get started with, and if you're starting with $500, then you can change your mind down the track if, you, for some reason, you find a reason that you really want to invest in a different one. Um, but it is a good idea to just work through this list, and th- this gives you a way to get a feel of all the different providers' websites and all the different things you might compare for, and some of those key details there. And um, I mean, the time you look at a PDS, you'll probably get, be getting a bit lost because there's a <laughs> lot in there, and. Most people don't read a PDS. A few people have told me after listening to some of our other episodes that they have gone through really? and read cool. one. I think it's some good nighttime reading. It yep. definitely is jargon heavy and very legal jargon heavy, but it is a good way to really understand how the product works if you use mm. that as a point to actually do further research because you go, oh, I don't know what that word is. I'm going to research that. Yeah. Mm. So there's there's a lot that you can do and I think – the, this is one of those things where learning by doing is okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you think you went lost through that, jump on the YouTube channel, have a look at the video, and it will guide you through. Um, and then in the next episode, Kate, we'll look at, well, okay, now we've chosen one. Yeah. How do we use it? Do I need to do anything? And then all of those kind of admin details, right? Yeah. So really getting to know which ETF you picked and how to keep moving on with that and how to put it in your portfolio. And so um, definitely have a look at our Google Docs so you can work through this research activity yourself and have a look at comparing A200, STW, IOZ, VAS and MVW as a great starting exercise if you've never researched ETFs before. Yeah, cool. And if you want to find out more information, you can head to the uh, the Rask Education website, take our ETF investing course. Um, you can also just listen to the back catalogue. If you haven't already listened to episodes one or two, please do that. And you'll find the videos in the in the uh, show notes, but also you can just head to the Rask YouTube channel. So, Kate, that was a really good description of how to analyze an ETF. Love it. Monique, really good role playing as a student. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. So, ladies, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. 
If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.